Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, uh, Dave from Ohio. I really enjoy uh, listening to your podcast. I look forward to them, but listen to them every night. My question is Abbott Laboratories, ABT. It went down about t- almost 10%. Do you think it's a good time to get into it, buy some more shares? And provides unbiased answers. What that means is they're likely to go back to their trend rate of growth pre-COVID. So there's kind of that reversion to the mean that's now expected. Invest Talk, over 32 million downloads and counting. Hello, guys. This is Alex calling from Northern Virginia. I hold a position in Mercado Libre, ticker symbol M-E-L-I. It's a small position, but I, I was looking at possibly adding more to it. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June seventh, twenty twenty-one edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in, and as always, I'm going to do my best to help you take that next step in your financial freedom path. We all have our own different path, and my job is to help help you find that direction. Uh, and try to keep continue to push you down the right direction. And we do this each and every day by taking your calls, answering your questions, and giving you topics that we think are important, that you need to consider, that will hopefully impact your decision-making process in a positive way. And... I'm going to operate in on today's show, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. I'm not about bells and whistles. I'm about making smart, rational, educated decisions and helping you do that, helping you avoid the emotions that come with investing and getting down to the raw facts. And so when I'm talking about a specific stock, a specific industry, sector, or strategy. I am here just to give you all the facts using my 20 plus years of investment experience and the data they have in front of me. So I'm going to present this all without bias. And I am Justin Klein. And of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And you can interact with us during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes at 888 99 chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, uh, Dave from Ohio. I really enjoy uh, listening to your podcast. I look forward to them, but listen to them every night. And my question is Abbott Laboratories, ABT. It went down about t- almost 10%. Do you think it's a good time to get into it, buy some more shares? Look forward to your answer. Thank you. Well, Abbott did go down pretty substantially last week on a, I believe it was an earnings report, but they lowered their guidance. uh, And it was a lot on testing demand, on the outlook for testing demand. I've said this before, there's been a lot of callers over the past, call it six to nine months or so, 
and asking about companies that do a lot of testing for COVID. And what I said was, you're looking backwards. You want to look forwards. And forwards, there's going to be less testing for COVID. Uh, and certainly, Abbott has benefited from the pandemic in that way, earning $3.65 last year. That was up from three twenty-four dollars in 2019 and up to $4.44 expected this year. But analysts are downgrading that now, now that Abbott has guided a bit lower when it comes to their testing demand and how that will feed into their earnings. And so what that means is they're likely to go back to their trend rate of growth pre-COVID, which was roughly 30 or 40 cents a year. And so if you go just based on 2019, add, let's say, 80 cents to that, you're talking about $4. Right now, 2021 earnings are expected to be about $4.44. So there's kind of that reversion to the mean that's now expected. And technically, you're below all major moving averages. And that means that's pretty bearish. Now, it's trading at about $110 a share. Our fair value is closer to $90 a share. So I don't think you're quite there yet. Okay. Good company. I like that it's on your radar. And it usually is a good idea to look for these quality companies that have dipped for maybe short-term factors. But what to me, this is not something that's going to rebound back, right? Unless there's some sort of resurgence of COVID worldwide, God forbid, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. We've reached herd immunity in a lot of places, and that's behind us. So this, to me, is not a, an opportunity yet to jump in because it does change the longer-term trajectory, and it basically is a realization that COVID testing is in decline. And so I would keep on my watch list, but I would wait for at least $90 to get excited about the name. Now, my focus point today is centered on this question. What are I-bonds and could they be an inflation protection option? We're going to touch on that. What are the pros and cons? Because every investment opportunity has pros and cons. So I'm going to lay those out and maybe it's something you want to add to your portfolio. But hint, hint, there's some limitations to that. We're going to go over all of that. I also want to touch on crypto frauds and scams. They are on the rise. In fact, they're up tenfold from the same six months a year ago. Talking about the first half, uh, first four quarters of, uh, excuse me, let me see this. What was it? During the first, oh, fourth quarter, got it. So fourth quarter of 2020 compared to fourth quarter of 2019, a tenfold increase in crypto scams. Clearly, that is on the back of higher crypto prices, but it just goes to show you that there is always somebody out there looking to scam and defraud, and it's usually in the hottest areas of the market, so we're going to touch on that. And then lastly, 529 plants. Let's break those down a bit and what you need to know if we have time. So that's what's on my mind, but let's check in on the market today. You had the S&P down about three points, so very, very flat to down day. You had the NYSE composite, that was down 23 points, another very modest decline there. 
you had the NASDAQ composite down, actually up 67 points. So you had a day where kind of tech and growth uh, definitely outperformed. Interest rates were roughly flat. No real move there. Probably up about one basis point on the 10-year. The dollar ended down slightly, and gold ended up uh, about half a percent or so. So solid day for the precious metals. And overall, it was kind of a boring day, boring start to the week. I think we're still in this phase where the market's coming to the realization that the Fed is going to taper. Their next move is not to become more dovish. Their next move is to become more hawkish. The big question is, how are they going to do that? Are they going to still print 120 billion a month, but move it from 80% or 80 billion in treasuries and 40 billion in mortgage-backed securities to maybe all treasuries? Or are they just going to eliminate the mortgage-backed security side? Are they going to do? Uh, are they going to allow positions to start rolling off? How are they going to tighten policy a bit on the back of large fiscal spending? I mean, that's where the market is right now. So a lot of chop. I do expect. Uh, a little bit more volatility in the July and August timeframe as you lead up to Jackson Hole in the at the end of August. Now, we are headed into a quick break, but I'm here on duty, ready to answer your finance and investment questions on Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888 chart Look at the calendar. Summer is days away. Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. And the Invest Talk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART. Uh, yes, this is Donald from Pennsylvania again. I really appreciate Sprott. S-P-R-O-T-T, Physical Silver Trust. It seems to be something I don't understand how it operates as a trust that's also a mutual fund. My understanding of this is that it's a hedge against dollar-related uh, or uh, fiat currency gyrations, which are possibly likely in the future. I'd like, love to hear your comment on that, especially Justin. I uh, really enjoy uh, some of his answers have been uh, most uh, educational for me. And also, too, it seems as though this sort of a thing and this sort of an investment behaves as a short-term bill type of investment. However, it does have like a long-term bond-like characteristic to it. I don't know if what I'm saying makes any sense or if it's just uh, maybe me trying to sound intelligent. I do appreciate any comments you have about that looking to learn as to whether this might be something I want to look at as a hedge, basically, currency hedge or, or something uh, of that type of thing. I do appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. I will listen to, for your answer on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. All right. He's looking at PSLV, and this is the Sprott Physical Silver Trust. And correct, this is a good hedge against the declining value of fiat currency in a way. And what you're buying into here is actually ownership of physical silver. And what they do is they buy 
phys- they use the proceeds, and this is a, I believe it's a closed-end fund, is it? Yeah, I believe it's a closed-end fund, if I'm correct. And, yeah, it is. And so what they do is they take the the amount invested, and they actually are buying physical physical silver holdings. It's not using derivatives. So if you if you buy a GLD or an SLV, that is in the industry called paper gold, meaning they're taking the money and they're investing in derivatives in contracts that are giving you exposure to the up and down price of gold or silver. With this, you're actually owning the physical silver. They're buying it for you, and the amount is actually audited by the Royal Canadian Mint. And so they're custodying the silver holdings. And this is a good one to hold if you just want to own silver. Now, the expense ratio is going to be higher, about 0.68%, which if you're buying SLV as a proxy is 0.5%. So you're going to pay a little bit more annually to have exposure to the physical silver as opposed to the paper silver, which which you would be owning with SLV. I have no problem with either. I can see the, the merits of both. It's really up to you. I think PSLV would be a safer bet, but how much safer is up to interpretation. Let's go to Emilius in San Francisco looking at copper. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing pretty well, Emilius. You looking to buy some copper? I'm, I'm just looking to add my position, and I'm looking at other different companies. I just want to know, you know like technical uh, indicators to the, the copper. If you feel companies like FCX and Rio, obviously the leaders, are they, you think they have a big upside, you know, uh, big demand still? Yeah, I do. I actually think copper is a great, one of the best commodities to have exposure to uh, in this market because of the use in electric vehicles and uh, just building in general and infrastructure. And copper production tends to be harder to get online than a lot of other types of commodities. It's usually long lead times. Uh, And so the supply is not immediate like a lot of other types of commodities. And so I like copper, uh, which one you get exposure to, whether it's Freeport or many of the other copper producers in the the world, that's really up to you in your own analysis of which one is better or worse, which one's a better value, which one has the best risk versus reward. Uh, clearly FCX would be the safest, but it's kind of, uh, it's kind of up to you. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Emilius. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see happening in the marketplace today, it is important to remember that you cannot afford to backslide in your plan for your own version of financial freedom. And that's why we were here to help keep you on track by clarifying anything, giving the right data and information to help you make better decisions. So we should talk about whatever is on your mind. And that's why I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. We've already passed the halfway point of the second quarter. The market is constantly changing and you've got to be ready to react. 
you'll have questions Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Invest Talk podcasts. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888 99Chart. All right, now from time to time, we get emails from our Invest Talk listeners and I want to read this one. It says to Stephen and Justin, I'm 51 years old, married with two kids. My net worth is $3 million. I got here by doing a few things, education, uh, talking about maxing out 401k and his wife for 25 years, uh, IRA maxing, invested all in the stock market, obviously had bad 2000, 2008, 2019. These are all, I'm paraphrasing here, FYI. <laughs> And he didn't sell one share, and he continued to buy. And he used 90% index funds, mostly SPY. A couple years ago, he said, anxiety made me sell 10% of individual stocks I held, and now I'm 100% in the indexes. To move the needle in my portfolio, I need to invest between thirty dollars and $100,000 into individual companies. Having read many articles where hedge funds and most often do not beat the SPY, should I simply ride out my life being happy with my 100% equity index investment strategy, or do I not need the money until 65, 14 years from now, should I hold 100% SPY? If not, what else? Certainly not cash with inflation looming. Please answer this on the podcast. So, this is a great question, and there's multiple directions that he could go. He could certainly still index. Uh, he has 14 years until retirement, so an all-equity position is not terrible. Uh, equities are generally a good hedge against inflation, so I'll say that. However, in this environment, with the S&P weighted so heavily towards the FANG names, and, and uh, that's basically the majority of the exposure, you have heavily weighted towards the growthy side of the market. Uh, and clearly, that is not the side of the market that does well when inflation is high. So we'll say that. Number two, while indexing, yes, over uh, long periods of time, outperforms the average uh, manager of funds, that's not always the case. It goes through periods where active management does better. Specifically, 2000, 2007 is a good example where value outperformed. And typically, when value outperforms, the more active managers do better. And we're starting to enter uh, that environment. Uh, and and I, I think that the math and everything is misleading on that. Another aspect to think about is the risk, the risk profile that you, you have. Look at 2007, 2009, you had a 54% drop in the S&P. Are you willing and able to handle that? Sounds like you are. But as you get closer to retirement, maybe not. And typically, you start to get that 10-year mark, which you're running up against. You want to start thinking about preservation of capital more than the growth of that capital, right? Return of capital as opposed to return on capital. That doesn't mean you switch completely, but you start to think about it. You start to make small moves. Maybe it's diversifying into some high-grade corporate bonds or high-yield bonds, which would be more risky than treasuries but less risky than equities. Maybe it's using a cover call strategy, reduce your volatility, diversifying into 
foreign stocks, especially when the valuations are better there or the dollar is uh, in a decline, those areas of the market tend to do better. So that's what I would say I would do right now is start to diversify into different asset classes. Foreign stocks, I definitely would have some precious metal exposure there. Even if it's a small amount, 3-5% in your portfolio, I think that's important. General commodity exposure, that's an area that I would gain exposure to. So those are that's the way I would make some changes. Now, whether you want to use indexes, index funds, or individual stocks comes down to how much work you want to put into this. If you don't want to put a lot of work, index funds are fine. If you're okay with the average return, that's fine. If you have the time, you have the expertise, you have the discipline, you can do better if you do it the right way. Most people don't have the time. Most people don't have the discipline. Most people don't have the data. But if you do, nothing wrong with buying individual names. So there's a lot of directions you should go, but don't, don't do full sale, right? Don't move it dramatically in one way or the other. Okay. Hope that helped. And if you want to do a portfolio review assessment and kind of think about your entire picture, I'd be happy to set up a, a Zoom call. Or Zoom, we use GoToConnect, GoToMeeting, excuse me. You can send us a message through investtalk.com. Set that up. We can talk more one-on-one. -on -one. Now, the next Invest Talk, this story. The SEC says it's, it will monitor ongoing volatility in certain stocks. Now, in January, amid one historic short gamma squeeze, GameStop, the SEC vowed to protect individual traders and to scrutinize action taken by brokerages. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing 
by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. I'm in my early 20s and I'm thinking of doing something that every article I read says not to. I noticed it took quite a fall. Yes, I know it's extremely risky. I have a little mixed feelings about this stock. And I wanted to see if this could be a riskier payoff in the long run. For the unprepared investor, market volatility around the world demonstrates risk. It remains a very, very tough business. But opportunities wait for no one. And now may be the best time in years to invest wisely. We got a lot of things cooking out there that, we, that the market has to think about. To invest strategically. We've moved very far, very fast. It needs to consolidate. KPP Financial Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein host a unique weekday finance and investment program and podcast, Invest Talk. Listen live or download the free podcast. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The Invest Talk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is centered on this question. What are I-bonds and could they be an inflation protection option? And we all know that inflation is on the rise and likely to be persistent, maybe not quite as high as the most recent numbers have shown year over year. But even as we get to a more normalized economy, those wage increases and price increases are going to be sticky. And with fiscal policy dominating, we know that it's likely that the governments and policymakers are going to be more successful at increasing inflation. And the question is, how do you hedge against it? And I've talked about uh, commodities clearly, equities up to a certain point. If inflation really gets out of control, then equities actually can be a poor hedge because of uh, you know interest rates getting out of control. But that's another topic. But what I want to talk about is how to hedge against it. And, and one way that investors can do it is through what are called I-bonds, inflation bonds, through the Treasury. And they created these 30-year I-bonds in 1998 as a hedge against inflation for long-term savers. And there's two parts to the bond return, a fixed rate and a variable rate. And the variable rate changes every six months based on consumer price index. Now, that's one issue I have with these is, is the CPI actually 
taking into account the full amount of inflation that's out there. They adjust those things to make it so it's not too high. Just say that. And so are I-bonds going to be a great hedge? Probably not, but they'll be pretty good, especially for the safer part of your overall portfolio. Now, the new yield will be announced in November. Currently, they yield about 3.5% as of October of, uh, now through October. And once again, they'll announce the new rate in November. Now, you do not pay state and uh, local taxes on these on this treasure or this yield, but you do pay federal tax unless the money is used for qualified education purposes. So that's interesting. If it's used for college, not taxed federally. What are the downsides? As always, every investment has downsides. First is you're only keeping up with inflation. You're not really getting too much yield above that, but maybe that's all you want. Number two is you can only buy $10,000 per year. So it's not like you can just go buy $100,000, $200,000 of this, and suddenly you have this large position in I-bonds. So if you have a large portfolio, say a million dollars, $10,000, 1% of your portfolio, not really much. It's not going to do a whole lot. Maybe if you do it consistently, buy $10,000 each year, maybe that's a goal. Another downside, lack of flexibility. You can't access the funds for 12 months once you purchase it. And if you redeem the I-bonds within the first five years, you lose the last three months of interest. Last three months of interest, which not a lot, but something to think about. So they're not that liquid. You can only hold them at the treasury. You can buy them through the treasury department's website and redeem them through that same website. But it's not like you can sell it one day and then go buy it the next. You have to, it, it's a process to redeem the I-bonds. If you go sell something in your brokerage account, you can basically go buy, depending on your broker, but basically go buy, use that cash to buy something that day, the next day, etc. So they're just not easy to go buy. And then the biggest downside is better, once again, the better types of Hedge against inflation, precious metals, equities, other types of bonds, real estate. Those are areas that tend to be better inflation hedges. But it's an interesting option that not a lot of people talk about. And you can go do that through the Treasury website. Now, this is Invest Talk. Let's pivot now to a pre recorded voice bank question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hi, guys. I just want to get your opinion on ticker symbol T E C K. It's Tech Resources Mining Company. Thank you. All right. This is Tech Resources. And I will say, we recently purchased this for clients. So like the name, $12 billion market cap. And they are a broadly diversified commodity company. They mine for coal, copper, zinc, molybdenum, gold, lead, mainly in Canada, the U.S., Chile, and Peru. So that's one thing I like. I also like that their coal is mainly metallurgical. There's a difference. There's coal that's used for in power plants, and then there's u- coal that's used in the making of things like steel. And a lot of people lump those things together. 
And they say, well, it's coal is coal. Mm, coal is not necessarily just coal. And metallurgical coal is tech's primary commodity in terms of EBITDA contribution, then next copper, zinc, and then oil sands. So have a bit of oil exposure there. It ranks as the world's lar second largest exporter of seaborne metallurgical coal and top three miner of zinc. So I like that. So good company. Uh, it's, it's been pulling back a little bit over the past uh, couple days. And while I think we're in uh, a choppy period for commodities, because I think the dollar is going to gain a little bit of strength in the back half of the year, I do think that this is a good long-term play. I like metallurgical coal, copper, zinc, etc. Let's go to Noel in Napa looking at BGS. Yeah, uh, good afternoon, Justin. Uh, sorry to bring up GD, uh, BGS again, but uh, what happened to me is I had a trailing stop on it along with some other stocks, and when we when uh, last week when it went up 12% and then it dropped back some, which was expected, I should have taken that trailing stop off, but it uh, sold my whole position out, which you know, I wasn't too happy with, but it worked out for the good, I guess, in a way. I had a big uh, uh, tax loss uh, from this year, so it took care of all the uh, tax, uh, most of the tax situation with selling GL, uh, uh, BGS. But uh, I, I love the company. I like what their business model. I love the dividends, and I think they've got more to go. Uh, do you have any... Uh, uh, you, you have any problem with me buying it back? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I think it's a good company. I think you're right. It's still relatively uh, a decent value. Not quite as good as it was uh, a year ago, but uh, still a good company. Like you said, I like their strategy of buying up smaller brands and, and uh, putting it into their distribution system and expanding uh, their, their their revenue and their profits. Um, does carry a lot of debt, but it's a consistent business. Revenue of 12% year over year, earnings up 13% year over year good cash flows, yields about 6%. And technically, after the move from last Wednesday, it's been consolidating that and looks like it could make another run. So uh, I have no problem owning BGS here. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Dan in Sunnyvale looking at CrowdStrike. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you. Um, it, for me, it would be an initial position, something of a fear of missing out given the cybersecurity threats. And I just wondered what you thought about the the basics, whether it was a reasonable entry price here or not? Well, CrowdStrike is, yes, in the cybersecurity space. And my issue with this name is just simply the valuation. It is egregiously overvalued. And I think there are just better names with better values out there. Uh, even though they have now turned uh, into a profitable company, expected to make 38 cents this year it's trading at 215 dollars a share enterprise value to revenue of 45 times just way way too high and their growth is slowing some yes still growing 80 percent revenue year over year but that's down from about 95 percent in the second quarter of 2019 sorry third quarter of 2019 so I'm just not a fan of it. I, I, I just think there needs to be a better valuation. I think there are other companies in the space with better valuation. 
And it's been kind of going sideways and the technicals are definitely weakening. So I'm definitely passing on this. Our value is much, much lower, closer to $100 a share versus $215 today. Thanks for the call. Now, Gene from North Carolina, hang on, you'll be next. But first, I want to remind you that Memorial Day has passed and summer is upon us. And it may be time to take a minute to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same philosophy, independent thinking and shared success. We practice parallel investing where you invest right alongside our clients. So we're buying the same things we're buying for you, our clients. So I encourage you to reach out and take us up on our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Just a quick 10-minute phone. We can help. Now, we'll take Gene's question in one minute. This is Invest Talk. There is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's head over to North Carolina and talk with Gene. How you doing, Gene? Thanks for taking my call, Justin. Uh, you gave sure. a great summary of the uh, Series I savings bond. I spoke briefly with Steve last week about it. I just had a couple things to add. Sure, go for it. The, yeah, um, you you cannot invest. You cannot buy them in, an, in a retirement account. It only can mm-hmm. be a, a regular account. Mm-hmm. It is, as you mentioned, uh, taxable on the federal level, but not the state or local level. Mm-hmm. But the tax actually is deferred until you actually sell it. So every mm-hmm. year, if you accumulate I, Series I savings bond, but you don't cash them, redeem them, the tax is deferred until you actually sell them. Got it. Um, okay. I would sense. think that I, I actually I have some of them already. I really consider them a savings vehicle rather than an investment vehicle because mm-hmm. your principal is never at risk. It's more like a CD. You only can, as you mentioned, only, you only can forfeit the last three months of interest that you that you accrue. Mm-hmm. And I think the best time to buy it is when the fixed rate, which stays with the savings bond for up to 30 years, is high. Right now, it's still zero. And then composite rate, which it's being paid out now, the 3.5 is all due to the inflation rate, um, which, as you mentioned, changes every six months. So six months from now, it could, if that goes away, then you're left with, if, you buy, if I buy it now, the fixed rate would it would be zero, and I'd be stuck with zero and, and nothing nothing left. So I was, yeah. my question to Steve last week was, it sounds like if I anticipate inflation to increase 
starting this coming November compared to now, then I want to hold off on the $10,000 and buying it and hope that the fixed rate will be higher and buy it then instead of now. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense and, and great point on that. It is deferred until you actually sell it. It can't be within a retirement account. It can only be held uh, at the treasury. And yeah, the, the, the worry is that let's say you're locked in at that zero and you're just getting that inflation rate. Well, what if the inflation portion goes to 1%, half a percent, and that's just too low for, for you and you have better opportunities and you're kind of, uh, you're kind of stuck. So I, I definitely don't think it's a cure-all. Uh, like you said, it's something that's very safe and, and almost like a savings vehicle, a rainy day fund. You can still sell it. You can liquidate it if you need to, uh, but know that you, you always have it there. But I would definitely make it a very small percentage of the portfolio that uh, you want to just save for a, a rainy day. Um, but all, all great points, Gene. Uh, any, anything else to add? No, that's it. It's, to, to me, I think of it as, a, as an alternative to a CD for, mm-hmm. for an emergency account. That's about that's mm-hmm. what I, I place it at. Yeah, Thanks yeah I, I, I agree with that. Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks, John. Uh, Gene, Gene, excuse me. Um, yeah, definitely kind of like a CD, uh, but CDs, you're, you're locked into a rate. Uh, it doesn't float like, like this does, but also... That can be a good thing and a bad thing. With the CD, if interest rates fall and you're locked into a higher rate, you're happy you're locked into a higher rate. On, on the converse, if inflation picks up, uh, suddenly interest rates are far higher than your rate you're getting in your CD, you're kind of stuck in that CD. So I like, I like, that, uh, I like that point, and I appreciate Eugene giving out of context. And I love that. If anyone out there, if you ever have a future uh, show and you have something to add, we like that. Come come, give us your perspective. If you have a little uh, experience in that particular space on that topic, we love to hear your feedback. So I love that question or that call, Gene. Thank you for making it. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here. Let's help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, guys. This is Alex calling from Northern Virginia. I was giving you guys a call because I hold a position in Mercado Libre, ticker symbol M-E-L-I. It's a small position, but I I was looking at possibly adding more to it. Uh, It has come down. This is an Amazon-like type of company in Latin America, so I, I really like the business structure that they have, and it is growing really fast the last, the last uh, couple of years. Just wanted to see if you guys think it's a, a good investment. Ideally, I'd like to see it pull down a little bit more, but I'd like to see what you guys thought and think of, of the stock um, moving forward in, in its future. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks. All right, looking at Mercado Libre, and this is a company who's headquartered in Argentina. And like you said, this is 
a conglomerate in a lot of ways. They own a lot of different types of businesses. Their main business is that online marketplace, 64% of net revenues last year. And they operate in a dozen Latin American countries. And they also have display and paid search advertising, kind of like a Google online store management, uh, Mercado Shops, kind of like uh, Shopify, and then third-party logistics solutions uh, called Mercado Envios. And they even have a fintech segment as well that does payment processing, kind of like a PayPal. So very, very technologically diversified. And they derive 95% of their revenue from Brazil, Argentina, and Mexico. I like those countries overall, uh, some of the bigger ones in Latin America. And the issue here is the valuation is still a bit stretched for me, even though their operating cash flow has improved uh, dramatically, but it's still a, a bit overvalued for me. And technically, it is in a decline and it is consolidating to move even lower. So that would be my main worry here is just the, fund is the fundamentals are not screaming by yet and the technicals definitely aren't getting me too excited. Right now it's trading at $1,325 a share. At a th around one $1,050, that's an area that I would get excited about this name. It would be sufficiently undervalued uh, and it would be at good, strong technical support. So that would be the area that I would be eyeing for picking up more shares. So it's not necessarily overvalued by, by too much at the moment, um, but I like that you're looking for a place to add. Uh, but 1050 1025 that area, that's where I would be picking it up. All right, let's go to my last talking point, or I guess uh, focus point, which is scams and cryptocurrency. And a lack of regulation and a lot of anonymity in the digital space has created an environment ripe for fraudsters. In fact, consumers reported losing nearly $82 million in crypto scams during the fourth quarter of 2020 and first quarter of 2021. So that six-month period, that's more than 10 times from the period a year ago. So end of 2019 to the first quarter of 2020. And they're targeting everyone from small investors to really sophisticated investors as well. In fact, an Australian crypto fund manager Reese was recently charged with running a $90 million fraud. The creator of Lub Token, L-U-B, purported to build a crypto exchange, and now they're defunct. And what they were promising? Daily returns of up to 10%. And remember, unlike a credit card purchase, crypto transfers can't be reversed, so that's even more helpful for the scammers. And the biggest area where fraud is happening is in the DeFi space, or what is called decentralized finance. And it's a broad term for effort to provide financial services using blockchain technology for everybody to trade things like uh, lending, asset trading, insurance, etc. to not have this intermediary. But the claims are usually overblown and from January through April, DeFi fraudsters sold $83.4 million, more than double the haul from last year. So the bad guys are always going to follow the money, remember that, especially the hot space. So whenever you're looking at hot areas of the market, definitely, definitely be extra vigilant in trying to do your due diligence 
because this area is rampant with fraud right now. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and always investtalk.com. We encourage you, please rate and review. You can browse by topics such as 401k, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate, tech stocks, whatever it is that will help you or a friend or family find a topic of interest. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461.